I know you, like me, have gone through some times in your life where you finally recognized what everybody else recognized for much longer than you, that you needed to change something. I know you've been there. You've, you've had the same statements like me of like, I need to get back to the gym. I hope the gym is still there. Like, it's been so long that I've been to the gym. Like, I need, like, I need to change the way that I eat. Like, I need to eat healthy, like McDonald's. I need to delete the app. Like, I need to actually make food at home. Like, you've said, I need to change that. Some of you guys have said, you know, I, I need to quit cigarettes, or I need to pour out the bottle, or I need to throw out the pills. And you've said, and you've recognized, I need to change it. Some of you have said, I need to change the way that I speak to this person, because I recognize I shouldn't get that angry that quickly. And you've said this, and you've known it, and you've authentically felt it from your heart that you need to change, but then you couldn't. And there's that tension of recognizing, I need to change this behavior, but I slide right back into it over and over again. Some of you guys have been like, I need to actually start reading my Bible. But then you just go back into those same habits, those same rhythms. Some of you guys are like, I didn't even have reading the Bible on my to-do list. I need to fix my to-do list. I need to change my to-do list. I don't even have a good to-do list, let alone be a good Christian yet. And and we're starting a series that's called The Power to Change. And this is for any of us who have felt the tension where we recognize what we need to be doing, but we've had problems getting there. And I, I would... I never want you to replace your, your quiet time, your, your study of scripture. Um, don't replace that with any book written by any man. But if any of you guys are interested in reading along additional content, uh, the, the Power to Change by Craig Grishel, that's where a lot of these resources are coming from that we're going to look at over the next three weeks. And if you enjoy reading, I encourage you, pick up this book. It's a great read, and it's going to help you really go after those things, uh, th- those habits that need to be broken in your life. Today, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 7. Before we get into the passage, I want to give you some context to what was happening. Uh, This letter to the Roman church, and that's what it is, it was a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. It was written between 55 to 57 AD, and it's interesting because the Apostle Paul had never met this church before. He's writing to people that he really didn't know. And this church in Rome, once again, it's about 55 AD, this church in Rome has probably been operating for almost 20 years by this point. And he learns of them through Priscilla and Aquila, which are some people that will um, pop up later in the New Testament as well. But he learns because they were there in Rome and, and the Jews were all kicked out of Rome in 49 AD. And so he met them in Corinth and heard about the church. And that really stirred up in him that he wanted to write to them. And that's why he's writing to a more mature church. And when you read the book of Romans, you're like, this is theologically deep and difficult stuff. Like this is not always easy to digest. It's because he's writing to a deeper church and he wants them to have a clear understanding of Christian doctrine. He's not dealing with some of the petty little things that he has to deal with in 1 Corinthians or even in Galatians and Ephesians. He's writing to a more mature church, so he's dealing with some theological issues. And one of the things that he begins to get into is this struggle of figuring out how do I have the power to actually change things in my life? And we're going to start with verse 21. And he's writing and he says, and we can put this up on the screen as as I read it. The Apostle Paul writes and says, I have discovered this principle of life. Though when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. 
I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And I'm gonna pause it right there before we get to the answer that's provided in there. But I wanna just focus in on a couple of things. First of all, the Apostle Paul says that this is a principle of life. And so this is something that he's seen within himself and that he's seen within other people. And so if you're sitting there like, man, I tried to follow Jesus, like I gave my heart over to him, but I still do dumb stuff sometimes. Or you say, I I thought when I prayed to receive Christ and I became a Christian, that all of the struggles in my life would just be settled and it would all be easy. I, I want to affirm to you that as you try to live for God, you're gonna find yourself in a fight. And the apostle Paul said, even in my life, I sense this and I feel this. And he says, this is just a principle. And so if you are trying to live for God, just be be able to recognize it's not always gonna be easy. And in fact, many times it's gonna feel like, as this passage says, it's gonna feel like there's a war going on within my mind. He, he uses those terms. He says, there's this war that is going on within our mind. And so we are fighting this war. And I think that sometimes we're fighting at the wrong thing because what we do is we see, okay, this behavior is on the do not do list. And I keep doing things that lead me to this behavior. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna just stop that behavior. I'm gonna not do it anymore. And and we try to correct our life before God by just instituting behavioral modification. And I'm gonna tip my hand a little bit to you of, of what we're gonna say, but it's like, we don't think about what are the thoughts that lead me to that action? What are the insecurities that lead me to that action? What are the things that I continue to put into my brain through music, in media, in conversation that lead me to that action? We only think about that action. And so we say, you know what? I'm gonna begin to have purity with the person that I'm dating and we're gonna not do that anymore, but I'm not gonna think about all the things that led us to there. And there's a war that's going on in your mind and and scripture talks about how, you know, so a man thinks, so he will be like, there, there are things that are happening within this battlefield that all we think about is the end result and we don't think about the things that lead us there. And so there needs to be transformation that happens within us far before we get to the sin that we understand that we're fighting. And the most important place where there has to be transformation is there has to be spiritual transformation that happens in you. It's one thing to know that God is there and it's another thing to say, he has lordship over all of me. Uh, when I was young in my faith, uh, my, my youth pastor, he gave me a ruler and it was like, it was a 16 inch ruler. And I was like, this is a very strange ruler. Like who, like rulers are 12 inches, not 16. He's like, well, read it. And, and on it, it said 16 inches from heaven. Because so many people have the knowledge of God in their head, but they don't have it in their heart. And you can tell me who Jesus is and you can tell me that he died on the cross, but until he has authority over the things of your heart, you haven't made him the Lord of your life. And when you try to live this life out of your own strength, it's gonna be be impossible. And so we're gonna say it this way as we get into it. Real change isn't behavior modification. Real change is spiritual transformation. And and I'm gonna teach it to you like this. A lot of us, uh, in our relationship with God, we'll, we'll get some things kind of out of order. And I'm going to compare it uh, 
If you've had kids, you've probably, like me, tried to teach a child how to ride a bike before. And I have four different children and all four of my children are different. And I'm not going to tell you which one is which, but I've seen these different principles at play in them of, you know, they've never ridden a bike before and, and we're, we're start trying to get them going. And we put them on the bike and some of you guys have had this child or you still maybe are this child, just an adult body where I'll get them on and they'll be like, okay, dad, give me a push and then just let me go. I can do it by myself. And I'm like, no, you can't do it by yourself. I've seen videos of people riding bikes, Dad. Like, I know what I'm doing. Just let me, let me try. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, you, you can know all about it, but until you've done it for a while, until you've had my hand on you, like, you need me to do, just let me go. And, and then riding the bike, you know, they, they, they don't want to be touched, and so riding the bike kind of, it goes like that. Some of us, we, we look at our our life, and we're trying to get things on straight, and we say, okay, God, thank you so much for the new start. Thank you so much for your forgiveness. Thank you so much for my second chance. I've got this now. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make you so proud. I'm going to do it all by myself. I have this. And our attempt at at transforming our life, it's built out of our own strength. And I want to tell you, God did not give you a second chance so that you could just mess it up on your own. God did not give you a second chance so that you would try to prove to him and it's like now he's done with you. And this is a problem because so many Christians start up in their faith and then when they fall, they feel like, oh God, give me a second chance. That's it, I'm done now. Listen to me. God adopted you into his family and he says, you're my child. And he wants to put his hand on your life. Like he doesn't wanna just give you a fresh start. He wants to keep his hand on your life. And as you seek to live for him, he's not looking for you to do it all all on your own, but in a daily manner to wake up and allow the grace of God to be at work in your life. Allow the peace of God to be at work in your life. That you rely on his strength moment by moment, conversation by conversation, and you know that you need his grace conversation to conversation sometimes. Like that, that person, the one at work, it's like, you know, like, If I'm going to honor God, I need God's grace moment to moment. And so God doesn't want us to to try to transform our life by just doing our own strength. And this is the other thing that I I see at work in in the church as well. There's so many people that are like, and and so the the first one I I should tell you, it's God then me. It's like, that's the first thing that we talked about. And you put that, put put up on the screen. It's like, God's going to do something and then I'm all on my own. And that, and that is, that is a lie of the enemy God does not want you to walk off on your own. He wants to be with you every step. The second one is God, not me. And, and you see this in the life of people within the church as well, where it's like, okay, I want to ride this bike, but I want God to do all the work. It's like, and it's like trying to teach a kid and it's like, okay, you got to pedal. And they're like, no, I don't want to. I'm like, well, do you want to ride this bike? Yeah, I want to ride the bike. Well, then you got to pedal. But no, that's too much work. I'm like, I don't think you understand the concept here. Like, I want to help get you started, but you got to get started. <laughs> like, you, you have to learn. You have to grow. You have to use the muscles. You have to wear yourself out some. You have to get hot and sweaty. Like, you have to learn how to do this. You might even skin your knee and elbow sometime when you fall down, but you're going to get back up on the bike, and you're going to put your body to work. You're going to do something. And some of us are like, you know, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to ride the bike, and it's going it, to, God's going to make it go somewhere. And we see this at play in Christian's life because it's like they'll get angry about something and they'll quit their job rather than move towards resolution with someone. They'll just quit the job and they'll be like, well, God's going to provide something different. 
I'm not getting my resume out there, but God's gonna provide something different. I'm not furthering my education, but God's gonna provide something different. And God's like, I'm gonna provide a whooping for you is, is what I'm gonna provide. And there's this mentality that like transformation's gonna happen because God from heaven is just gonna make it happen in my life. And I wanna tell you, that's not what we see in scripture. Like that's not what we see as obedience in scripture. What we see God calling us to do in the picture that we know works with kids is it's God through me. It's like a dad being with a kid and saying, okay, you pedal, I'm gonna hold you steady and I'm gonna walk with you. And you're gonna begin to do this and, and you're gonna learn to balance and I'm gonna keep my hand on you and we're gonna learn to do this together. And that's what this life on earth is supposed to be like. A father who's walking with a child, learning to balance, learning to ride, learning to use their strength. And God is with them the whole time. I love the way that the apostle Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses nine through 10. We'll put this up on the screen. This is the apostle Paul writing and he says, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder. Can you say that with me, church? Worked harder, you ready? Worked harder. One more time, I need you to work a little bit harder. Worked harder. I want you to see that. The apostle Paul is describing his ministry here and he's saying he exhausted, like the, the word in the Greek here, it talks about experiencing fatigue, experiencing exhaustion. God will call his children to work in a way that produces sweat. God will call his children to work in a way that will leave you feeling emotionally spent and physically spent at the end of the day. And this is living out your faith through your work, through your family and through your church. Some of y'all need to learn what it's like to sweat a little bit. All right, I, I love you, I want the best for you. And I'm gonna tell you, it's good. It's good to lay your head down at night and be like, I poured myself out today. And I don't want you to run yourself to death, but I want you to get a little bit of sweat on your brow now and then. You are called to serve. And if you're not serving in this church and you're not serving in this city, and especially if you're not serving in your house, it's time to, as scripture says, spur each other on. I'll kick you with something sharp, get you moving. Apostle Paul says, I worked harder than the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Do you see how that wraps up? There's, there's this truth, this integration that Paul says, I put the work in, I went after it, but it wasn't me, it was God moving through me. All the glory and the honor to God. That's the, man, that's the mentality. And if you have been feeling like, I need to change something, but I just, I haven't been able to, I wanna call you up, I wanna wake you up, I wanna shake you up to see the point of struggle in your life and say, God has strength that he wants to put on display through me. And it's gonna mean maybe that I work harder than everybody else around me. Is that okay? Would it be okay if, if you had a sense of, 
My calling is to outwork, outserve, outpace what other people are doing, not because it's a competition, but because this life is compared to running a race and I want to finish strong. I want to get to the end line and I want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to exert myself after the things that God has called me to do. Our our passage that we started with, we're going to go back to that. In verse 21, it says, I've discovered the principle of life, that when I want to do something, that what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power at war, another power within me that is at war with my mind, the power that makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he gives the answer in verse 25. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's where the answer is. That's where the power is. Like a child who climbs up on the bike and doesn't know what he's doing. It's like God has strength that is in that child, but there is, there's a hand that needs to be there. There's a presence that needs to be there. And if you want to experience lasting transformation in your life, it can't start at just the behavioral level where it says, I'm just not gonna smoke anymore and I'm gonna stop. You need to experience a change of identity where you recognize to the deepest level, and this isn't tricking yourself with words, but this is recognizing the the reality of life. That if you're trying to stop smoking, you say, you know what? It's not that I'm just stopping smoking, it's that I'm not a smoker anymore. It's that I'm a child of God and I have been given stewardship over the temple of God. And so that just can't be part of my identity. And the entire way that you think about it and look at it, it needs to be able to change at at an identity level to say, I have been transformed. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And so I never, I, I no longer have authority over those decisions. And so at a base level, it's not going to be, you know, when, when I'm out there and someone else offers me a cigarette, whether I take it or not, it's going it, to, my reaction is going to be, that's not me anymore. It's not that I'm quitting smoking, it's that I'm not a smoker. It's not just that I'm not a smoker, it's that I'm a follower of Christ and I've determined that that's damaging the temple of God. And so I'm done with it. And you've got to think about who you are, not just what you do, because that's where the transformation connects into your identity with Christ. Let's talk about it this way, you know, picking on the smokers for a minute. We'll, we'll pick on those of us who are trying to get healthier in our eating. It, it's not just, I'm going to try not to eat McDonald's, but it's, you know, okay, what is the end goal? What is the spiritual goal? I need to honor God in my body, and so I need to get the right amount of vegetables and proteins. And so I, I'm not just avoiding McDonald's, but I am going to be someone who eats healthy to honor God in my life. It's not just that I'm going to stop yelling at my kids because, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want my kids to see me angry all the time. I don't want to yell at them unnecessarily. It's that my spiritual goal needs to be I want to see my kids grow up loving the Lord. And I understand that when I yell at them unnecessarily, I am pushing them away from myself and I am pushing them away from God. And, and whatever your goal is, whether it's health, whether it's relational, whether it's about getting closer to God, you need to make sure that there's the spiritual tie into your identity that pushes you towards the goal that God has put on your heart. Because there is a spiritual connection to every part of your life. You have been given an opportunity to honor God through the way that you live, the way that you work, the way that you lead your family. And if your goal is connected to any of those things, don't try to separate it from God, but understand the necessary inclusion that that connects into your relationship with God. And so if you're saying, okay, I need to, I need to fix a relationship. 
It's not just about that relationship, but it's about all relationships. That God said, it's impossible for me to love God whom I have not seen if I don't love my brother whom I have seen. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of say it like this, that we, we need to find the spiritual connection to our goal. Like you have a goal, what is the spiritual truth that connects into it? Why is it important to the heart of God? And then you need to allow Christ to reign in your life in such a way that you just, you refuse to give up on that. And this is what I found, that, that when I'm struggling with something, that if I allow Christ to have the lordship in my life, that Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desire in me. That, that if my whole goal is wrapped up in, you know, I, I don't want to look at that or I don't want to act like that, that in the moment, my not wanting isn't enough. But if in that moment, my heart is set towards, I want to honor Christ, that is always enough to persevere over whatever is tempting you or pulling you down. There, there's a reality that when you bring God into the equation, he empowers you to do what you need to do in the same way that if a child is trying to ride on the bike and their father's hand is on their shoulder, they're gonna run steady. And maybe you didn't recognize it at first, but maybe you've been trying to do the spiritual walk in a way where you say, you know, it starts with God, but then it's all on me. Like it started with God, God convicted me, God moves my heart about that, but now it's on me. When you're in the point of struggle, do you bring Christ into the equation? How do I bring Christ into the equation? Here's two beautiful ways. And I understand that this might be difficult, especially if you've never tried it, but put it, to, put it to the test this week. If there's an area that you're struggling in and you sense the struggle, number one, pray out loud. Bring God into the equation by speaking to him. And there is just something, and I've said this before and I'll say it a hundred times more. There is something about when you pray, first of all, it reminds you that God is on the throne that he is present, that he cares. It does something to your psychology when you pray. It reminds you of truth when you pray. But secondly, there is a spiritual movement that occurs. There is spiritual strength that is given when you pray. He is faithful and he answers prayers. And if in the midst of your struggle, you pray to him, you will sense him begin to move in your life. Second greatest tool is quote scripture. Pick one verse that speaks to your struggle, memorize it, and put it out there. One of the greatest ones in my life when I was learning to tame my tongue and, and eliminate the use of profanity from my life, Ephesians 4.29 was one of the very first passages I memorized as a young Christian. It said, do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for, for the edification or the building up of others according to their needs. And, and so that, that was just one of those things that as when I would feel like saying something I shouldn't say, instead I would say, don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. And that was enough to fix my heart, fix my attitude. There's power in prayer. There's power in the quotation of scripture. But there's this weird tension saying, oh, I'm gonna get spiritual. I, people are gonna see me as too spiritual if I start praying out loud and quoting scripture. And it is a weird, it's a weird tension for someone to say, I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm afraid to speak his words. I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm afraid to bring him into the middle of my struggle. We all have that struggle that the Apostle Paul talked about. 
and band, I'm trying to be good on my time, so if you guys uh, are around, we can go ahead and have you come out. I'm going to compare it to this. I, I, I remember when, when I lived up in Ohio, and, and we were young married, and we had just bought this tiny little house. Uh, it, it was a cute little house. It backed up to railroad tracks and a trailer park right behind it. Uh, it was not the most ideal location, uh, but we were so, so happy to be there. And I, I think our first fall there, we had these beautiful flowers pop up all over across our lawn. I mean, like our lawn was just dandelions. Everywhere. Um, and you know what's not a great solution to get rid of dandelions? I'm just going to mow it. I'm just going to get rid of it. Like, here's the visual part. Like, I don't want to see the dandelions. I'm going to mow it. And what did I just do? I just spread them. My neighbors loved us. <laughs> because you've got to deal with what's beneath the soil, right? Like, if you want to get rid of dandelions, you've got to get them down to the roots. And you've got to deal with what you can't see on the surface. And many of us have been just trying to do the behavior modification of what's above the surface. And God's saying, like, your identity needs to change. Your thinking needs to change. Your, your approach to getting rid of it, it needs to change. And we've been dealing with things in an earthly manner. And we have to let our Heavenly Father get His hand on our shoulder and say, deal with it in a spiritual manner. Your health, your words, your time with the Lord, it's a spiritual thing and it requires a spiritual fight. And the answer to your struggle, the strength for it is found in Christ Jesus. The redemption is found in Christ Jesus. The life and the joy and the peace that you know God has for you is found in Christ Jesus. So church, I wanna challenge you. Um, he's provided the power to change. God has provided the power to change, the power to win that war that you're fighting in your mind. But you've got to use the tools of battle that he's given you. So I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I want to ask you to go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to give a moment of silence after this for you to pray and consider. But I want you to ask your Heavenly Father, where is my point of struggle? Where, where is something that I need to change that I haven't yet? Spirit of God, would you speak to our hearts in this quiet moment? And where there needs to be change, will you just bring that to our mind? And as God has spoken to your heart, Church, will you commit to taking a step to honor God in that area? And I'm not going to embarrass you or ask anything more of you, but I, I want to know who I'm praying for and who, who is fighting a fight to make a spiritual change in life. Would you just raise your hand for a moment if there's an area that you're fighting? Awesome. Praise God, I see you. Awesome. Father, for those who raise their hands, would you by your spirit, let them know that you're here, that you're present, that you provide strength, that you have your hand on their shoulder. And that as they step out in faith, that you're gonna meet them at that point. And would you provide for them the power that they need to make to make, to make these changes, to experience spiritual transformation in their life.
so that they can experience all of the blessings that you have for them. And for those who are struggling, who aren't ready to say it out loud yet or to admit that there is something that needs to occur, would you give them courage to take those steps necessary as well? And we thank you that you fight for us, that you fight through us. And we have this opportunity to honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship?